Hello and welcome to Rando Rob. Each week on Rando Rob, I'll be showing and discussing one item from my large collection of collections. New shows appear every Monday and throughout the week, I'll be adding older episodes of Rando Rob that were previously only available to my Patreon subscribers. You can watch episodes of Rando Rob on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash Rob O'Hara. Just look for the Rando Rob playlist. Audio versions of the show are available on my website at podcast.robohara.com or through iTunes. Just search for Rando Rob. Thanks for watching or listening, and I hope you enjoy this vintage episode of Rando Rob. It is uh, October, the month of Halloween. Halloween is, um, I used to say by far my favorite holiday, and now I will just say my favorite holiday. Um, you know, holidays mean, I mean, and by the way, this, this entire, you know, these videos are completely off the top of my head. They're not scripted at all. So I haven't really thought about this, but, um, <clears throat> as I get older, uh, the older I get, the more sentimental I get. And I've always been nostalgic, but I, I find myself getting more sentimental, you know, um, uh, I will think about, uh, I'll see a toy and I'll think about when I had that toy as a kid and I'll think about how happy, uh, that made me. And then I'll start thinking about, you know, how many hours my parents must've worked to buy that toy and I'll get choked up and then I'll go, what am I doing? <laughs> I'm driving to work or, you know, I'm in the car. Why am I getting choked up over, uh, you know, some toy that I got 40 years ago? It just doesn't make any sense. But when I start thinking about certain things like that, <clears throat> um, it, uh, it certainly makes me uh, feel appreciative of the childhood I had. It makes me feel nostalgic. It makes me feel, um, you know, all the, all those, all those great feelings. And so because of that, it's hard not to appreciate, uh, things like Christmas and, you know, things, uh, and Thanksgiving where, uh, that we're all about family, uh, getting together, family celebrating because those holidays make me think about my family. However, uh, if you look at the whole, like everything, man, it's hard not to love Halloween. I just love Halloween. I've always loved creepy stuff. Ever since I was a little kid, I've always loved monsters. Ever since I was a little kid, I've always loved special effects since I was a little kid. And so, uh, you know, I was just telling my wife this, this is funny. The other day, uh, we went to Spirit Halloween, which is those pop-up, uh, especially, you might not know if you're not in the States, I don't know, but Spirit Halloween is a Halloween-themed store. Uh, you'll have to let me know. Let me know if, if uh, uh, I'm sure Canada has them, but I don't know if across the pond, if, if you guys get Spirit Halloween, but they are large uh, Halloween oriented stores that sell masks and decorations and all the kinds of stuff, uh, that are, you know, are Halloween, but they, uh, open like on the first of October, uh, and then they will go through October and they will be open like one or two days after Halloween. And then that's it. Then they close for 11 months. And then they, so what they do is they come in and they rent or they lease large properties that are available. So sometimes you'll see a department store. Um, and in fact, uh, there's one in a strip mall right by us, but it moved down one store <laughs> last year. It was here this year. It's here. Um, <clears throat> but they pop up all over the place. I mean, there are probably, I've probably driven by like five of them 
And uh, when you go in, I mean, they are the one by my house is, oh gosh, easily 10,000 square foot. I mean, it's a large, uh, large place that they've rented and you go in and it's got costumes. It's got animatronics that are, you know, larger than life, six foot tall, eight foot tall, uh, latex masks. Um, but anything to do with Halloween, they have a whole row of Halloween themed, uh, coffee mugs, which my wife and I each bought coffee mugs. I got one that was the classic universal monsters as Frankenstein, Dracula, uh, the mummy, all of them all on, on a mug, like little mug shots all the way around hey, mug shots on a mug. Uh, and, uh, I forgot which one my wife got. I think she got, um, Pennywise from it. And then she said, I like this clown. I go Pennywise. And she goes, who? <laughs> so what are you going to do? But, um, uh, they have an entire area of fleece blankets. Uh, and a couple of years ago, I got a large fleece blanket, uh, like a throw blanket that we keep on the couch. That is a giant Ouija board. <laughs> which I absolutely love. Um, I told my family one year, I was like, I want you to, to get money early and all my Christmas presents. I want you to buy during Halloween at spirit Halloween. And they did. And, and, uh, what a strange Christmas we had family over and, uh, people were like, Oh, I got a new pair of socks. Or, oh, I got this thing. And I opened it up. I was like, Oh, it's a zombie baby. <laughs> it's what I've always wanted. Um, in fact, I got a, um, a thing that looks like a, uh, like an electrical panel and there's a switch on it and there's a button and then it has all these wires hanging off it that look like they've been severed. And when you press the button, the wires go and it makes a noise like it's electrocuted. It goes like that. And they all like, like it's being electrocuted. And I used double-sided tape and I stuck it to the electrical box that's out in my workshop. I have my own breaker uh, breaker box, uh, out that circuit breakers and, and, uh, uh, panel, you know, panel fuse panel. And so, uh, I stuck it to the outside of that. And so when I walk up, I can press the button. And it goes, <laughs> I'm just a kid. I kid. I always love that. And I, and I still do love that. So anyway, uh, because it is October and it's Halloween and uh, I think I, well, I know last week I shared uh, some books. And, uh, as I was putting those books back where they go, uh, I found two other books that were sitting there and they were right next to each other. Uh, and, and by the way, I, I did want to mention this. I don't think I've mentioned this before, but I have such a really bad habit of putting things back where they go. And so if you start to look around here, this is the Jar Jar thing that I showed uh, several weeks ago on Rando Rob. And there are some, I think I showed uh, these a um, uh, long time ago. I showed these uh, speeder bikes, which are Lego uh, um, biker scouts. I'm pretty sure I showed this actual biker scout. And so uh, I just keep <laughs> all the things from Rando Rob are just building up in piles around me. And eventually I got to go through and, and, um, take all that stuff back and put it all where it goes. But anyway, so as I was putting the books that I showed last week on Rando Rob back, I saw two other books. And again, um, I'm such a nostalgic person and, uh, it's difficult to describe, but like, I can look at something and all the memories with that item uh, stay with the item. Now, 
uh, I've talked about this. I, I've written about this that I read sometime a long time ago. Someone said, and actually Marie Kondo uh, <laughs> had this on her show that said, if you need to declutter and get rid of things, one thing you could do is take a picture of an item and then uh, you can throw the item away. And then if you ever, you know, want to look back at your pictures, you can see the pictures of the things you used to own. And I have done that. I have an entire folder and then folders within that folder called, um, it's like called trash or things I've thrown away. And when I look through that, I see nothing but regret. <laughs> when I go through the pictures, I'm like, I wish I hadn't thrown that away. I oh, remember when I had that. Oh, that was cool. And I learned this through the arcade cabinets that I owned. You know, I I owned um, almost 100 over the years, like buying and selling. But at one time, the most I ever had at one time is a little over 30. Uh, and I wrote Invading Spaces. And when you write a book, people want to know why are you qualified to write that book. And so I wrote a book about buying and selling arcade games. And, um, and, and there was a lot in that about buying and selling games from arcade auctions. And I was going to arcade auctions and I had bought all these games and I had tried to repair these games and I owned these games and played these games. And so that was my, uh, credentials is that I went, Hey, I wrote this book about arcade games and I own all these arcade games. And, it really doesn't matter if you're good at repairing arcade games or if you're good at doing, um, you know, the repairs or, or if you paid too much when you bought them or if you didn't get enough money when you sold them. Nobody really cares about those details. Um, what they care about, though, is that uh, you own all those games. So just by standing in a room with 30 arcade machines behind you, you could go, I'm the guy that bought those arcade machines. And people would say like, man, how did you do that? And I would say, man, I used my credit card. <laughs> I went to auctions and I went, I'll take that one. I'll take that one. It wasn't hard. It's very simple to buy a lot of things. It's not difficult. Look at the shelves. Um, and so anyway, I got rid of all my arcade games. When we moved, I did not have, when I moved from uh, the house before the house, so uh, two houses ago, uh, when I moved from that house to our last house, I did not have room in our backyard for a large arcade building. I didn't have a building back there. I didn't have the money to build something that would have been big enough to hold all those arcade games. I didn't have room in the house to do it. And that was it. I had to sell the machines. I put them in storage for a while and I've talked about that process. It was, um, um, it was more than selling something. It was like selling off your identity. And what I learned is that, uh, you have a certain amount of street cred as the guy who owns 30 arcade machines, because chances are, I think there's one or two people that might be watching this, but other than those people, you probably don't own 30 arcade machines. It's kind of like if two people are talking about uh, how much they like Corvettes and one guy goes, yeah, I own a Corvette. Well, kind of by default, that guy becomes the, <laughs> you know, I mean, it doesn't really mean that he knows more than the other person about Corvettes or uh, that he has more experience or anything. But just by owning the Corvette, that guy now has the upper hand in the conversation. And so uh, when I would talk to people about buying and selling or wrote a book and said, you should buy my book and you go, I have 30 arcade machines and they would go, 
Okay, well, you have more than me. You must know no, must know more about the topic, which wasn't necessarily true, but that's the perception. But what I found out is that whatever weight this carries of I'm the guy that owns 30 arcade cabinets, uh, wherever this level is is the guy that used to own 30 arcade cabinets. <laughs> it's almost nothing. <laughs> Nobody wants to hear your input. Like if you're talking to someone about Corvettes and you go, I used to own one and they go, well, you don't own one now. You know what I mean? Uh, and so it would be very difficult to write a book um, of like how to fix machines and how to do this from the guy who used to own arcade games eight years ago and got rid of them. It just doesn't, you know, it just doesn't have that, that same, gravitas is that <laughs> the way to say that it just doesn't have the same amount of weight and so anyway i am uh, once again off on a tangent um <clears throat> anyway let's let's get back to rando rob let's get back to the things uh that i have not thrown away and so i guess to bring that around i would say um you know people have said to me like oh do you have a arcade cabinet and you show them a picture and they go, Oh my gosh, that's great. Do you play it? And you go, eh, I used to own it, but I don't own it anymore. And then they're not impressed, you know? Uh, whereas if you go, I do own it and you go out and you take a selfie in front of the stupid cabinet and you come back in and then they're like, wow, you, you have that right now, you know? And so it, it's, it's a different experience. And when I go through those photo albums of things that I've gotten rid of, very, very rarely do I go, well, I'm glad I got rid of that. It just, it's not a feeling that I, I don't really experience that. I never, uh, you know, things where you think about things like books, um, or, you know, I mean, there are collections I get rid Like I got rid of all my VHS tapes. Um, uh, I got rid of all my, my DVDs. So you could go, okay, well, I got rid of all that. But, uh, when I look at specific toy. Like I look at an action figure. I took a picture of it. I go, yeah, I don't want that. And I throw it away. But I take a picture. Then when I look at the thing, I go, why didn't I keep that? I got all those other ones. Why wouldn't I keep one more? It's silly. <laughs> just, it just, uh, doesn't make sense. So anyway, to bring this all back around, uh, the two books that I have here are books that I got in the late 1970s. Uh, when I was very young, I was born in 73. I started kindergarten in 1978. And I would say I got both of these books before 1980. So I probably owned both these books in either 1978 or 1979. So the first one, I believe, is actually the newer of the book, even though it feels like it's the older one. And uh, we're going to look at this one first. Uh, and this book is called monsters to make. Now there was nothing. I mean, when I was a kid, I watched, well, I I've talked about this. The first book or the first movie I ever saw was star Wars. And the scene that hooked me on star Wars was the cantina scene with all the monsters and all the masks. And I just had a, a draw to that, you know, to me, uh, to a lot of people, you know, the stars of Star Wars was Harrison Ford, Mark Hamill, Carrie Fisher. But to me, the stars of Star Wars were Rick Baker, the guy who did all the mess. And Rick Baker has gone on to have a huge, long career in special effects. Um, 
but you know Dennis Murin and Phil Tippett and all the guys that did the stop motion and did the uh, that that made the blue screen effects for the spaceships and, and those uh, Ben Burt the guy that did the, the sound effects for Star Wars those were the people I looked up to and so uh, this book Monsters to Make uh, is a fantastic book. Uh, that is full of monsters and it tells you how to make them. And so I want to show you, I'm going to show you a couple of them. Um, and this first one that's in here is one that I tried to make. Now this, the way that this book is set up is first of all, it shows you, um, a general idea of what we're going to be making. And so the first one in here is dragon. So let's take a look at that. That's what it says we're going to be making. Okay. Uh, then it tells you how to make the different parts of the dragon. Well, it tells you the uh, materials that you'll be needing. So first of all, you're going to make the dragon's head. And the way that you make the dragon's head is you take a cardboard box, you fold up the flaps, cut the flaps so they look like an ear, and then you take a newspaper, roll it up, band it with a Band-Aid, and put that in as, as the nose. So <laughs> that is the head of our dragon. Okay which doesn't look much like the dragon in the original drawing. The next step of building this dragon is to get a bunch of cardboard boxes and build the general body of the dragon and then use crumpled up newspaper uh, to fill the spots to round off um, the parts of the body. And then what you're supposed to do is get a bunch, uh, now this is from the 70s, of paper uh, shopping bags, like you would go to the grocery store and you would get paper bags for your groceries and then take those and put them over that. So now you've created this body. So, so we've jumped to this, this level, this is, um, uh, the body of the dragon made out of boxes. We've used crumpled newspaper to fill those spots. Uh, you can see the head there at the beginning. And then what you do is you take those paper grocery bags, uh, and put them over. Then it says, paint the whole thing and draw on some details. And now we're at this step. Now, let me tell you, uh, I'll wait till we get to the end here. Cause there's one more picture and it says, once you've done all that, and it gives you some ideas on how to decorate. One thing is, uh, you can get like, um, lids for different things and glue it to the body to make scales or dots and, and different ideas of how to paint it. Uh, and then the final picture is this thing right here. Now, I want you to look at that <laughs> and, and think about the way that we've built this of boxes and um, newspaper and then putting paper on it and painting it or whatever. I tried to build this dragon when I was a kid. We went to a grocery store and I talked to my mom into letting me get a whole bunch of boxes and we drug these boxes. My mom had a big giant 70s station wagon. We put all the boxes in the back of the station wagon, uh, came home, tried to make this thing. I mean, it looked nothing like that. It looked like a pile of crap with brown paper glued to it. I drew some details on it with a Sharpie. I mean, it did not look like, and, and the thing is what they, the thing that they're selling you on at the end is that you could sit on it. Look at this kid just sitting up there. I'm going to tell you this. You couldn't have stuck anything on my track. It didn't look anything like that. Um, the next one here is man from space. Now, again, this is the idea. It says 
This is what we're going after, right? Now, there's so many interesting ideas in this book. And the first one is how to make a mask. Basically, what they do is they teach you how to make paper mache over a balloon. So you take, uh, I mean, it gives you instructions, but you're basically making, oh, over here, uh, the paper mache, you put it around the balloon, then you pop the balloon uh, once it's all dried and you cut off the bottom. And now you've created this mask thing. Uh, and then you start attaching eyeballs to it out of ping pong balls and buttons and different things like that. Um, I, I never got this to work. Like I tried to make the paper mache. Um, now imagine, I mean, we've gone from paper mache around a balloon. We put some buttons on a thing, but now, I mean, it just, there's like these leaps of faith. Like mine didn't look anything like that by the time we got there. Um, but there was an idea that I took from this uh, and I'm going to show you, actually, I'm going to, it doesn't really matter here, but I want to um, show you just this one side. And what they've done is uh, you take a coat hanger and then just kind of bend it and then you make this little pincher, right? But you also have a hook on the end. And so then what you do is you put that up your sleeve and now you have little alien pinchers, right? Uh, I ruined a lot of coat hangers in my childhood by doing that. <laughs> I would take coat hangers and bend them and they never bent quite like that. They didn't look exactly like pinchers or whatever, but... Um, uh, I would do that and then put the hooks up in my sleeve and walk around with the little pinchers like that. And <laughs> uh, We have an abominable snowman. And uh, I, I mean, I'm not going to go through every step here, but I just want to show you, like, this is the abominable snowman. And it says, hey, this is what we're going to be building. And I think that's probably the, the same abominable snowman that appears right here on the uh, cover of the book. Essentially, what you're going to do is uh, get a bunch of boxes pile them together, throw a paper or blanket over it, and then glue tissue paper one at a time until you, <laughs> you make this thing. Uh, I never tried this one. I thought that looked stupid uh, with all those Kleenexes on there. There is a robot, which is basically getting a bunch of boxes and, and building a box robot costume. There's a witch doctor, which is interesting. And basically, it's just how to make like the witch doctor's uh, staff with a, a big mask on the top of it. But the, at the very end of this, and the one that always fascinated me as a kid is this, which is uh, King Kong. And so if you could see the King Kong there, what the idea for this is, uh, as you get into it, is if you can see here, it teaches you how to make a little basic armature out of wire and some spools from uh, spools of thread. And then uh, once you have that basic little uh, internal skeleton, it says, I mean, the next step, oh, look, you put clay on there and make it look like King Kong. Well, I mean, if you could do that, good on you. I I never was very good at that. But then it shows you how to make um, little miniature houses, like out of cardboard. And it says, you know, just follow this little template and change them up. Uh, and then the very end, it kind of shows you this idea where you can take a picture, but you want to do it with the sun making big shadows. And then you have this cool picture of King Kong with your little miniature and stuff. I didn't specifically, uh, make the King Kong thing, but, uh, I, I did experiment with making little monsters and little pictures and trying to, you know, get the, um, the shadows right and do things like that. I'm just looking here at the beginning because I want to see, I believe this is um, 
copyright 1978. So uh, I would have been four or five years old, depending on when this came out. I probably didn't get it when it was brand new, um, but uh, I had it very early on. I do remember going to a, a grocery store that went out of business when I was really young and going there and getting the boxes to build this dragon. Um, in uh, fifth or sixth grade, we did a um, gifted class. We did, I think it was, I think it was fifth grade. We did a project where we were supposed to build something or whatever. And I built a robot and I basically built the robot that was in this thing. And I put a, uh, where its stomach was, I put a tape player and I made a cassette tape of me going beep, boop, 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 beep, boop, beep, boop. And, <laughs> and then I would just hit play. And then, uh, I remember that I used, uh, you remember Hot Wheels racetrack? I used a racetrack for the arms. And so it was just like skinny pieces of racetrack and then use rubber band to hold gloves onto the end to look like hands. And I put Christmas lights wired in to make, uh, the eyes and some other things like that. Um, but, uh, uh, and then you pressed play and it would just go beep, boop, 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 boop. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't very impressive as far as robots go, but uh, the the whole, the, the gist, the idea, the, the basic uh, core of that came from this book. Now, this other book kind of looks newer. I guess it's just because of the style of the cover, but actually, uh, it is older. This book uh, is from 1975. Now, I got this book uh, either in kindergarten or first grade. And this book may look familiar to you. Uh, someone on Facebook recently posted the exact same book. And the reason that a lot of us had this book is because it was put out by Scholastic. Uh, and Scholastic were the people that did those book fairs at all the elementary schools. And that's where I'm sure I got this. Uh, both of these, again, I should mention, are the are my books. I mean, they're the, the real books that I had as a kid and I've kept them all these years, but this, uh, is movie monsters. Uh, and so this book is in three parts. Uh, and the first part of the book is all about uh, movie monsters. There's a big part here about, um, Lon Chaney. Here's the Phantom of the Opera. Here's the Wolfman. And so it's just like a one page little biography about the Wolfman. And then there's a picture of the Wolfman. Uh, and this was probably, my introduction to universal monsters. Here's Frankenstein's monster, you know. This was probably the first book I ever had that actually had all those monsters in it. So the first third of the book um, talks about all those monsters, and it has things about his, uh, about the actual costumes, you know. Um, like it says here, uh, talking about Frankenstein's monster, it says the top of his head is held on by metal clamps. Rubber pieces were glued to Boris Karlov's eyelids to weigh them down and give him a sleepy, sinister look. He wore large, heavy boots to give him superhuman height. The sleeves of his padded suit were shortened to make his arms look long and dangling. So it had all these little tricks about special effects and monster makeup and stuff like that. So super cool. Uh, King Kong, Dracula, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, Bride of Frankenstein, and the creature from the Black Lagoon, which I always loved. Um, I remember seeing the creature from the Black Lagoon as a kid, uh, on my little black and white television in my room. And this 
picture is the only picture in the book. Uh, most of them are, you know, just shots from the movies. But this is a picture of the monster. But then you can see the guy in the suit next to him with the mask off right there. And they're putting it on. So it's like a behind-the-scenes photo. None of the other photos are behind-the-scenes uh, pictures like that. But anyway. Uh, and then Blackula, which is always very interesting because, um, I mean... Blackula is definitely not a guy that you would associate with all these other ones, but it, it feels like an inclusion just to, you know, for a wider audience or whatever. Uh, and I think that's great. Uh, I, you know, I think, uh, there's something, you know, horror and, and haunted house and Halloween and stuff is something for everybody to celebrate. And so I, I always, like, I didn't think about this as a kid, but as an adult, I appreciate, um, the inclusivity I suppose is the right word uh, for doing that. And then they included young Frankenstein, which was always kind of silly. And um, uh, I didn't really, really didn't realize how uh, out of scope that was to include here uh, until I was older. Anyway, the second part of the book is how to make uh, a monster. And so it talks about making all your own makeup. It says making your own faces. And um, there are a lot of things from this that I took away. One of them right here that I remember is this little area called light and shadow. And you notice he, this kid is uh, pointing the flashlight down and you can see the look that it's make making. Uh, and it shows like, you know, if you put the light up or from the side, like different kind of effects you could get just from lighting. Uh, there's a page on costumes. Um, and then it gets into things like how to make warts, how to make fake blood, which I do remember trying to make fake blood and making a real mess. Um, how to make painted scars. Uh, and then it has actual monsters, like here's how to do Dracula's makeup. Obviously, you know, these kid versions. Uh, the one that I always liked, let me get to the Frankenstein one here, is, um, uh, well, there's two. One is the melting man's hands. And I want you to look at this picture. Uh, and basically it says, take these gelatin things and try to like put them on a latex glove or whatever. Man, I tried that and mine, I just made a giant mess and didn't look anything like that when I was done. Uh, then there's Wolfman hands, you know, but, uh, here we go. The brown bag Frankenstein. Uh, this is another one of those just huge leaps of faith. Uh, but it starts off by saying, take a brown bag. There were a lot of brown bags in the seventies, uh, and just trace, you know, where it goes around your face. And then you can kind of like cut it out and make a Frankenstein. I mean, look at that kid's head, it's like a Frankenstein head. Right. Um, but then by the end, it's like, well, then you could take, makeup and and blend it to your you know your head and and all this stuff and i mean first of all look at that head <laughs> that's a great looking frankenstein head they got hair on it and everything i mean that's that's cool but um again my stuff just never looked that good i should probably should have known that i was not going to get a uh, a career in the special effects field based on uh i mean to be fair when i was six or seven but uh anyway the third part of this book is called The Monster of Frankenstein, and it is an actual play. And so this is the third part of the book. It tells you what all monsters are going to be in the book, it ha or in the uh, play. It has a script, which if you can see, I mean, there's like all the lines of dialogue and stuff like that. And then at the very end of the book, 
because there's some special effects in the play, like turning Dr. Jekyll into Mr. Hyde, like live in a play, uh, and making a, uh, at the very end of the play is a guy whose head flies off, you know, and then they show you like, oh, here's how to do these special effects. You know, you make a oversized dummy thing with a, a balloon for a head, a helium balloon, which every seven-year-old had access to just, uh, you know, helium balloons laying around in their room. Uh, and there's a, a picture of a guy disappearing, you know, you, you light your face and then kind of emerge from, uh, curtains and stuff. And so, man, I tried to do a lot of these things and they just, they never turned out in the way that they, they look like in here, you know, but what's, there's a, a part of this in my head that kind of did in reality, they didn't. I mean, in reality, I look like, uh, a kid wearing a paper sack on my head. Uh, with some drawn-on hair. But in my head, the Frankenstein paper bag head that I made looked like the Frankenstein paper head in this book, you know? The dragon that I made looked so stupid. Uh, I mean, it just looked like a pile of boxes. I think I threw a sheet over it or a tablecloth at one point. Uh, and it, people would be like, what's hiding under that tablecloth? You're like, no, 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 that's a dragon, buddy. Um, and so, I mean, it was not recognizable as a dragon at all, but in my head, um, it looked like that. So, uh, these books really not only kindle my love and kindled my love of, of Halloween and monsters and movie special effects and all that kind of stuff, uh, as a kid, but, um, kind of that creative side, you know what I mean? That creativity of wanting to create something, wanting to make a monster, wanting to put on a play. Um, you know, my friends and I would, uh, put together, we put together music videos and things like that. And then we would like when my parents would have guests over, I would take their kids and be like, all right, we're putting on a play. <laughs> We'd organize something. And then before the parents left, we're like, you got to come stick your head around the hallway and then watch our play, you know, or whatever we would do. Um, and, and, um, you know, we had, we had, um, kid brains. So things didn't always make sense. Like I remember one time we had this play in the opening. I wanted to do like a fly through shot of a small town. And so I had built this little Lego town. And then at the very beginning, you know, we just like took a flashlight and we're like through this town. And I'm sure my parents are like, what are you doing? But in my head, that was the camera and you were going through the town and it was zooming in. So, you know, you, you kid brain, you think things like people are seeing things the way that you see them and it's not necessarily true, but, um, uh, there's so many things in this room that I could get rid of that when I go to thin things out, I would thin, but uh, I will take these to the grave with me. Um, all it, I don't even have to read them. All I have to do is glance at the cover and I instantly think of, Oh man, remember when we tried to do that play? Remember when I tried to build a thing with a floating head that would fly away? Or remember when I built that dragon or when I built that robot? Like those memories uh, are just attached uh, to these books. And it's not like when the books go away, the memories go away. It's just there's nothing left to trigger them. Like I, that memory of building that robot is always going to be in my brain, but there's just, it doesn't come up. But then when I see this, I go, oh, yeah, I remember <laughs> it's got that robot in it. I tried to build that robot. Or when I see this, you know, and I think, oh, we tried to put on that play with the levitating ghost thing, you know. Uh, and so they're like the triggers. And, um, you know, you can take pictures of the stuff and put it in the folder. And that's a great idea. But I don't 
go through that folder. And like I said, when I do go through the folder, I don't have the great memory of remembering the things. I just have the sadness of getting rid of the things, which is probably not the intended purpose, but that's the way it works for me. So um, anyway, uh, I got lots of shows, lots of content coming uh, in the very uh, near future. So check the podcast feed later this week. You'll be seeing uh, a couple of things. You may even see some Halloween surprises towards the end of the month. Uh, and don't forget, uh, the stream will be, uh, as usual, Wednesday night, 7 o'clock Central. And we're probably going to start moving into uh, some uh, haunted house and Halloween kind of stuff uh, for October. So that's always fun. Anyway, see you guys soon. And uh, thanks for watching.